When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to the leader of Enough's Enough, Chips Enough. We talk about the new album that's on its way, we talk about some past members, we talk about some crazy-ass stories from the past. You're gonna love it. Check it out. Chip, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing tonight, brother? Uh, but as good as you guys out there, which is fantastic. Love your sight, my friend. Oh, thanks so much, man. And, and being a fan and hearing that from you, that's that's a real honor. Well, you know, uh, it's, it, it says 80s metal, but I think it's a nice potpourri of pop, heavy metal, hard rock, classic rock underneath one umbrella. Uh, your site poses a lot of nice little things, a lot of uh, wonderful opportunities for all the bands that are out there that are already popular or ones that are just the, the newer ones that are being discovered every day. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of times what, you know, my site's called 80s Glam Metal, and let's just say I post something a little bit heavier, somebody will come back and say, that's not 80s Glam. Well, you know what I mean? I I, uh, I know that's the name of the channel, but I, I like all kinds of music, so, you know what I mean? Some other stuff's going to slide through there, you know? Yeah, and there, listen, there's too many names out there right now. It's ridiculous, okay? Every, everybody's real, everybody's swimming in the same lake, so... I think that you know, pop bands and rock bands and alternative bands and hard rock bands, I think they're all, you know, in the old days, it was under rock. It was real simple. Now you got to have 20, 30 different categories. I, I believe that's a shortcut to thinking. Just put, It's good music, okay? And it's left to the dollar market. It's sold millions of records. And people should look at it just like that and not listen to a couple of jag-off journalists that say, okay, let's call us hair metal when it's not because... You want to call uh, you want to call us BMs hair metal? Well, guess what? Guns and Roses hair metal, Pantera was hair metal, Metallica hair metal. The list goes on. Well, even though I don't believe that, it really they, we're all that close. We all wore we were flamboyant. We dressed colorfully, and uh, you know you call it glitter rock, call it glam rock. Who cares what you call it? It's all good music at the end of the day. I agree a hundred percent. So, uh, what's on the agenda for you guys this year? You got touring, new music. Let's talk about it. Uh, well, the crystal ball's got a crack in it, so I can't tell what's going on right now. But I, I'll tell you this much. There's a, a wonderful opportunity for us to go out and do some major touring this year. As you see, you got the Poison Motley Crew, Def Leppard, Joan Jett gig. Uh, of course, Alice Cooper's out this year doing stuff with Lita. Uh, and then if, you can't go wrong with the Rod Stewart Cheap Trick. Uh, that's a that's a great tour right there. Blackberry Smoke, I believe, is on that one too. Uh, there's so many tours that are going on this year, and there's a great opportunity for us to be on a few of them. So we'll see what it's going to be. I thought it was going to be uh, Steel Panther, but uh, those guys are tired in the frog's ass when it comes to money. Sebastian Bach, he just wants to go. Even though we were touring mates in the early days and we shared the same management company, I believe he just wants to go out with Trim because it's much easier on the eyes of looking at us guys. So uh, there's other tours that have just popped open. My buddy at Live Nation has told me about some stuff, and some other agents have mentioned a few things. I don't want to do anything that's going to uh, hurt our opportunities. I promise you we'll be on a major tour this year with a brand-new record to support as well. 
Well, that sounds good, man. And I, I agree. I think the whole Poison Motley Crue Death Leopard tour is, is good for all the bands of the 80s because it gets that interest sparked back up again. Yeah, I believe that consolidation is the name of the game, my friend. I think getting three, four bands together, that's what Live Nations is doing, and that's the way to go. And if people get a bang for their buck. And look, for the people that can't go out and see the 2020 stadium tour, which I promote on my radio station, Monsters of Rock, every day, if they can't afford that because it's too much money, maybe they can go out and they can go see Great White and Winger. Enough's enough. Uh, uh, go out and see the uh, shows that... Uh, Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, those bands are out touring, too, playing smaller venues, and it's going to be just as satisfying. No doubt, no doubt. So, uh, it sounds like you're working on new material, but let's go back real quick to uh, the album you did, Diamond Boy. Uh, I've been jamming on that for a while, and, I, I mean, I really like that album, and I, I didn't realize you were such an awesome singer. Uh, I didn't know it either. Thank you, and <laughs> I appreciate that. Um... Yeah, I certainly wasn't looking forward to this job fronting enough's enough. If you would have asked me 10 years ago if I would have wanted to do this, I would have said absolutely not. But the fact of the matter is, uh, after the band had to make a little change, it was a change in direction. Unwittingly, we didn't know we had to do that. And once we did, we made a decision as a group to move forward. Uh, everything came to fruition. I got found the songs, uh, got in the studio, started recording them all. Uh, putting everything together, and it wasn't like the old days. Enough stuff would get in the studio in the old days. All our rock star friends would come by and see us. There'd be uh, just uh, so much extracurricular activities that I don't know how we got the songs out, but maybe they were the catalyst to these good songs coming through. Uh, whatever the case may be, you know, I remember going out to California recording and getting kicked out of the studio because Allison Chains was coming in and recording at the same place and going, hey, God, how are we going to make this work? And we somehow did have this. So we got the songs on tape. We were able to come up with some great ideas. And I think that we got come up with something that's very unique, yet still enough's enough. Uh, the next record, I think, is just going to be a, a juggernaut compared to, to the Diamond Boy record because on the new record I'm working on, I got Ace Freely from Kiss. Wow. I got Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, the Winery Dogs on a track. He's my cousin. I also have... Uh, couple of guys from Cheap Trick playing on it, most notably uh, Dax Nielsen, Rick Nielsen's kid, playing drums on a few tracks. So um, I think that we have a, a Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's on the record too as well. We got some good guys that came on and wanted to sit in with us. I'm talking to Neil Sean from Journey too. He said he wanted to play it, but that uh, remains to be seen if he puts his parts down because he's very busy. Uh, but the fact of the matter is there's strong enough songs that we got all these heavyweight guys that come on and play with us. And I think it's a... Uh, one of our better records to, to come out in years, and we're coming off the heels of uh, Enough's Enough 2019 with a record that landed on the Billboard uh, Top 200 at 152, and that was a miracle in itself. And now here we are going back out again after a Live Nation tour around the country, and we're gonna it's wash, rinse, repeat, bro. And it's not like the old days. We're, we're actually in pretty good health right now. <laughs> That's great. You know, one thing I noticed about that album, you know, you're right. I hear the I hear the typical "Enough's Enough" sound. You know, the Beatles influence, but almost I almost sense some indie rock, like almost like Elliot Smith in in there. Is, is that an influence of yours, or some indie rock type stuff? Yeah, yeah, love them absolutely. Uh, and, and listen, any bands that have that are melodic and, and colorful, uh, I'm into. I love it. Uh, people who mention the band, you know, having Bowie influences, or you know, sound like Jellyfish which is a band that came out at the same time as we did. 
and it's all true. You show me a musician without influences, and I'll show you a musician that hasn't written one note. We all love all that stuff is good if we can somehow fit it in our category and our uh, our potpourri of, of listening pleasure. Then we do. Uh, at the end of the day, you turn it into your own. I, I think that what we have is very unique sounding. Uh, all the bands I listen to doesn't mean we sound like them, but there's something you take from everybody. When you're a young little kid and you're playing, your mom and dad are playing records, and you're listening to Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, or Candy, or Black Sabbath. You know, you don't know that 20 years from that that time you're going to be hailing those bands beyond belief because they leave an indelible mark. I think that one thing about Enough's Enough is uh, we've always wore our influences probably on our sleeves, and at the end of the day, um, it is what it is. I'm, and I'm grateful that people are still out there and they want to hear real musicians writing real songs and playing. It's not uh, manufactured like the our bands are now, where the producer comes in and comes in with the songs and and they put it all together, and the, and the artist only has to do a sing or she has to sing, which is another way to do it. And it's fine. I'm not bad rapping. I just miss the guys who get together and plug in and play and sing. That's what I love to hear, the real bands. And there's still a few of us out there. And let's, give our, uh, let's tip our hat to those guys because uh, it's a, not an easy job. No, not at all. And my recommendation, obviously the whole album's great, but I, I, if anyone hasn't heard it, put on We're All the Same. It will get stuck in your head. <laughs> it's a good one, man. I appreciate that. Listen, uh, you know, putting that record together, a lot of good stuff was happening at the time for us. Uh, it was a, a new outlook on life for us. We had a chance to do something we've never done before, and uh, it, was, it was quite a challenge. As soon as we finished that record, we got the call from Live Nation to go out on uh, the Great White Tour with Jack Russell. And right before that, we were out with, with Ace Freely from KISS. So we really uh, were able to uh, turn the screws get the band tighter in the frog's ass and get out there and play shows and meet all the trip that was out in the shows and all the old fans that loved the band from the, you know, our early hits from New Thing and Fly Michelle and Baby Loves You. And here's the band now with Diamond Boy and We're All the Same and Where'd You Go? And uh, it, it's, it's been a nice little uh, uh, slippery slope for us. I'm excited about what the future holds. We got a great band. Come, come see us live in concert. And, you'll, and I think that's the proof in the pudding. Um. What's Ace like to be around? Is he a fun guy to be around? You know, he walks in this, uh, honestly, he walks into the show five minutes before he goes on. It's just him and the guy, Jimmy, the ex-New York cop who's hanging out backstage. Nobody back there. Every single show I walk back in there, it's hugs and kisses. Just he knows I've been a veteran. I've been doing it a long time, and I have nothing but respect for him. And we chat for a couple minutes, and then he goes on stage and kicks ass every single night. We warm him up perfectly for those for that audience. So I got to bring something up, man. Uh, I want to say it was last month. Donnie V was yeah. like on a tirade. I mean, what are your thoughts on all the, those comments? I know he said a lot of crazy stuff, and then then he kind of retracted it. Do you want to talk about that at all, or what are your thoughts? I, I really don't have any comments. I, I listen. Guy's the quintessential singer of our generation. One of the best. I, and I would love him to be to uh, for people to discover that. Uh, we gave it a lot of years of our lives together of loyal beyond belief. I took a lot of beatings there. Uh, at the end of the day, we wrote some wonderful songs, produced some great records together. I want to focus on the glass half full, not half empty. I wish everyone well out there. No matter if you, if you sling mud, make sure you don't live in a glass house. Yeah. 
that's dude that's a great attitude man that's a great answer and uh you know who knows it, it may be uh someday you guys could do something together down the road are you do you object to that uh we were offered a huge deal for a big festival company that came to us and said i want to put the band together um obviously there was, uh, there's only a few of us that are left that would be able to do that Vicky Fox, the original drummer of Enough's Enough. He really wasn't the original guy, but he was the first guy on the hits. First guy's name was B.W. Boski. He's, he's, I don't know what he's doing now, but he was a wonderful singer-songwriter. But he left the band in the early days. Vicky Fox took his place. Donnie V, myself, and, of course, the late, great Derek Frigo. Yep. And uh, the original guy before Derek Frigo is the guy I have in the band right now. His name is Alex Kane. He's just singing Life, Sex, and Play Guitar, Life, Sex, and Death. He's the original guy, but the, the company, uh, in a nutshell, said, Chip, uh, 40 grand, come on out there. Donnie V, you, uh, John Carl Monaco, and uh, Vicky Fox. And uh, we, I called Fox, the first guy I called before anybody else. And Fox goes, you really want to sit down and do that again for a couple weeks and put up with his shit? And I thought, you know, maybe he's right there. Maybe after it's all said and done, it's better off to leave it the way it was right there. We made some great records left in a double mark. And, and I'm proud of that right there. And now it's a new chapter. When when um, the great Genesis broke up, Peter Gabriel left. Phil Collins took over lead vocals. I'm not comparing myself to Phil Collins, but the situation I am. And that's where we're at right now. It's it's a new chapter in Enough's Enough's career. Those songs were great. I play him live in concert. He'll be able to collect chips the rest of his life on those. I'm, leaving, I'm keeping the music alive that we've created together. I think I'm doing my part. There's no need for me to go out there and just take the money from the fans and give them a half-ass show. I want it to be great every night, and guess what? Come see us in concert, because it is. Um, speaking of Vicky Fox, that's a guy I haven't seen do anything in many years, and I thought he was great in Enough's Enough, and I thought he kicked major ass on the Vince Neil uh, solo albums, but then he's kind of just, yep. I haven't heard or seen of him in many years. What's going on with him? Uh, he had a band called the Veronicas from Australia. They were terrific. He played in that for a good six or seven years, made a bridge truck full of money there, and then ended up uh, just getting out of it. And basically, not retiring, but just spending more time with his family. Mm-hmm. And the last time I seen him, we were, we were playing the whiskey. He came out. We hung out for a little while. Uh, he's doing just fine right now. Don't feel sorry for him. If you pushed him up as well, he'd break his neck. <laughs> he's got a bring truck full of money. He still has a look of the world, still playing his ass off. Uh, he's doing just fine. And um, he's, right now he's touring with a band called Pretty Boy Floyd. So. Oh, okay. He's in with Pretty Boy Floyd. Nice, nice. Yeah. Lo- love those guys. Yeah. So it's the 80s glam metal cast, so we have to talk about the 80s. Let's go back to your debut, man. What are your memories of that? What a great album. Pretty good memories, actually. I wasn't the one drinking and doing all the cocaine, so I was in pretty good shape there. Um, and, and I'm not just blaming my band either. Management company, everybody was completely out of control on that record. We were hanging out in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Uh, wonderful times there. Uh, we were in a studio recording at 2 o'clock in the morning after Adrian Blue and the Bears or Skid Row, whoever was in the studio at the time, would leave. We'd sneak in there, and uh, my buddy would come in there with an ounce of cocaine. We'd have tons of booze, absinthe. Uh, Jameson, uh, Jack Daniels, tequila, uh, a brinks truck full of pot that my buddy would bring me from the Blackjack uh, gambling cl- club that was out there in Lake Geneva. 
this big gang, and that's what we do every single night from 2 to 7 o'clock in the morning. We just record songs. We record that whole fucking album in less than a week, higher than sin, okay, beyond belief. Uh, I remember one night uh, going out to the horse's stable and taking a horse and walking through the drive-thru ordering food on a, on a horse, okay? Got a lot of trouble for that, i got to be honest with you. We snuck the horse into the hotel room, actually, after we, after we got our dinner. And then the horse shit all over all the hallways and everything. You know, we had to push his head in to get him in the room. It was terrible. Uh, but we love horses and we love animals. And we ended up after the horse uh, left Esterman through the whole hotel. We ended up getting the horse out and bringing him back to the stable. But uh, we were fined a ton of money. We were, and the cops were on us watching every single move we made. And uh, it hurt us in the nighttime recording that record. But most of it was recorded in the first week or two. So uh, we got most of our stuff done. And then... Um, Change Addiction was in there. They were doing nothing shocking, mixing that record there. So we had to really work fast to get to get uh, all our parts out of the way before we could move on. We hired a guy named Paul Lanny, who did Peace Sells Who's Buying by Megadeth. He also worked with Bon Jovi, too. He came in there and mixed the record up. He was terrific. I kept him hired and sit on pot for the whole week. And a uh, 10-song record, uh, mixed in 10 days. Wow. Derek Showman or anybody from the Atco Records never came down one time to hear the record. They believed in what we were. They loved our demos so much off the H, uh, off the four track and eight track demos that we recorded at my house that they never bothered coming to Lake Geneva one time to do the record or deal with Skid Row. And it was fun. At the end of the, two, at the, end of the whole thing, Donnie went in the refrigerator, took a bottle of Don Perignon that was Skid Row's that they were celebrating for finishing the record, drank the whole thing. And the band came up to me, Sebastian. He goes, "Hey, man, what happened to our what happened to our champagne, bro?" And I was I was got along with that big Viking. Well, he's a good singer and, and a real rock star back then. And I said, "Hey, bro, I don't know anything about the fucking drinks because I'm not cocktailing." But I'll talk to my guys. And a snake came over, and Donnie took a hundred dollar bill, licked it, and, and stuck it to Snake's forehead. So here, this should cover that bill, my friend. And it did. And everything was good. I don't know. We ever we didn't we only played a few shows at Skid Row. We never did a big tour with them because when the record came out, Bon Jovi ended up taking them out on tour because they shared the same management company. And the rest is history. Maybe we were a little nicer. We would have got the Bon Jovi tour instead, and things would have been a little different for us. Who did you tour with on that uh, that tour, Chip? Uh, we we went out with Mr. Big. Oh, okay. And then we went out, and then we only did like about a half dozen dates though with Mr. Big, and then we went out with. The full-fledged tours of the band called Badlands. Yeah. With J.K. Lee and Ray Gillen and the drummer from Kiss and Greg Chasen. And that was the band. And that were, they, they gave us a lesson every single night showing how to kick ass. And they were uh, pretty focused. And both bands were uh, doing very well. But we had a little bit more MTV play. There was a guy named Rick Krim at MTV that really believed it enough's enough. And he, was, and he got our video into a rotation. And then, of course, the fans... Uh, they went crazy. This band got the look of the world, and they wanted to see us. And every play, every show we play with Badlands was completely sold out. We were only doing eight hundred to fifteen hundred theaters. They weren't real big places, but they were very well attended. MTV, TV, such a powerful medium, really did well for us. And at the end of that tour, we were doing better than Badlands, even though they were headliners. Yeah, it was great for us. Like a real, really great learning experience for us. Both bands on a tour bus. One band out there just traveling around with cases of water. The other band with cases of booze and cocaine. It's unbelievable the difference between both bands. 
but man, what a, a double mark that we left at those times. This, those fans still come out to the shows to see us to this day, my friend. Nice. So, um, you know, I, I think you're right. I mean, MTV was very kind. You guys played you a lot. And you got to admit, I mean, yeah. you were got you were the only guys that were kind of intermixing the glam with the psychedelic. I mean, there's nobody else did that before you that I know of. No. Yep. We took a lot of chances back then uh, because we weren't looking at uh, anything but uh, trying to be true to our arts. We were a colorful, flamboyant band in the beginning, and we wanted to expose that. That's all. And maybe because of that, that was one of the reasons that MTV was um, kind enough to give us a chance in, 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 in our videos and our playlist because if we would have came out in jeans and T-shirts, uh, maybe we would have been you too today. I'm serious. You right. know, really, you never know. I just know that uh, we we might not even be talking right now by jeans and T-shirts on back then because that wasn't our look. But perhaps, uh, you know, uh, because we were colorful and flamboyant, people were listening with their eyes instead of their ears, and, that, and sometimes that could hurt a band in the long run. So you do strength next, and uh, I think obviously your debut may have sold a little bit better because of the times. But I think most people think uh, this is a more, you know, a better album, a more mature album. What do you think? Oh, well, it certainly was. We had a bigger budget because the first record went gold, so the record company gave us a little bit more chips to throw into making a record. And we did this. We took the same approach we took on uh, the strength album as we did on the first album, which was. Uh, Band going live, doing the basic tracks, playing together as a band. Nobody does that anymore, really. A handful of bands do that now. There's no Pro Tools back then. It was nothing but two-inch tape, big reel-to-reel tapes. And we all plugged in at the same time, count the song off, one, two, three, four, start and play. I think that was special. I think that's missing in rock and roll in this day and age. And the ones that do play like that, like Rival Sons, our credit van fleet, they're doing pretty good. They're, they're actually, uh, moving the, moving the numbers and, uh, they're, and, and pushing that needle forward. So gotta hail those bands for that. I like to see live and I like to see a band that was, uh, focusing on writing great songs first. Cause no need to go in the studio and play unless you got songs. Yeah, man, and that's what's key with you guys. I said, like we said, it, it's not just a look. I mean, the melodies, the songwriting is so good. I mean, like, Baby Loves You. That, that should have been a hit, Chip. That should have been a hit. Well, it, I guess it was in some ways in yeah. some places. You know, it, was a, it was a top 100 hit. Um, should have been a top know, 40. A lot of bands got airplay <laughs> nowadays. I think it should have been top 40. Maybe there's a band out there, my friend. Maybe there's another group out there that will want to re-record that song one day. That's the great thing about music. You never know who's going to come out and out of the woodwork and go, hey, let's, let's do this song again and give it another chance. Yeah, exactly, man. Because I, th- yeah, that could be a number one hit in my opinion. I mean, that's a that's a catchy, well written yeah. song. Your lips to God's ears. <laughs> so you played on Letterman a couple times, and there's one time I was watching this video, and Vicky Fox is playing like a guitar, and it's not even plugged in. So what was the deal? Why did Letterman's band always try to like infiltrate the bands that played? We want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, Paul Schaefer and again Will Smith, uh, Will uh, Will Lee, a uh, bass player, they were big enough enough fans for the first time going on a show. And basically, when you go on Letterman's show, they only wanted the, the main cast. So, say it was the Black Crows we're talking about, they would just grab the brothers. You know, if it was Plant Page, they get those cats. If it was Rick Nielsen and Robin Zander, that would be it. Usually, they just want to grab a couple of guys. That's the way they usually wanted to do it. We talked him into it. Morty was the producer, and he was kind enough to go, "Okay, you could bring your guys with." And when I told him, I said, "Yeah, Vic will just play guitar." And I talked to Fox. He's like, "Yeah, man, I'd rather play guitar anyway." So it was good. <laughs> 
So he wasn't pissed off then by any means. Nobody was pissed off. I, they would have been pissed if they had to sit home and watch Donnie and I do it. Yeah, for sure. But then, hey, man, you got Anton Fig on the drums, and, and that must have been pretty cool. Yeah, I like Anton Fig. Uh, good guy. Uh, I've always gotten along with him. He's a sweetheart, man. And I remember uh, because of that session, Richie, Richie Scarlett, who played with Ace really for years, hired Donnie to redo and produce Fly on the Shell. And Donnie came in there, and uh, I evidently didn't have a good experience. They were... Uh, um, for some reason, they were button heads. Maybe it was too much partying, too much loud mouth soup, whatever the case may be. And Donnie ended up getting fired on that project. And I remember he was playing drums on it. And he's such a great drummer. I mean, a wonderful guy to play with. Uh, but he, the moments we did on a TV show, you only get five, ten minutes to learn the songs and play it. But uh, he had his shit together. He knew exactly what he was doing. And uh, he had a wonderful sense of balance. A uh, real honor to play with with him and, and with all those guys on Letterman's show. Uh, and they're still friends to this day. Yeah, it's funny. When you go back and you hit YouTube and you look back at Letterman or Arsenio Hall, I mean, it's crazy how many hard rock acts were, were getting put on the late night TV shows. You definitely don't see that as much anymore. No, it's really hard to get on those shows, too. I mean, there's so many parts to trying to get on these TV shows. I don't care if you're talking about going on the King of All Media Howard Stern show or a man cow show in Chicago. Unless you have contacts and friendships, uh, that's what it's all about. Everything's predicated on friendships and relationships on all those shows. They're very, very difficult to move forward. But if you can uh, get a chance and get on the show, you can change the trajectory of any band or any career out there uh, that you're trying to work on. I'm telling you right now, it's just really, it's all about at the end of the day, uh, being friends with people. No doubt. Well, hey, man, what do you want to say to all the fans that have been following you all these years? Uh, listen, I appreciate everybody that's uh, been great to the band. I want to wish everyone uh, uh, a wonderful 2020. And uh, may the best thing that happened to you last year be the worst thing that happened to you this year. I'm going back in the studio right now. I'm working out of a stonecutter studio with a guy named Chris Diamonds. And I'm mixing a new Enough Snuff album. I hope they have it out in May or June of this year. And uh, everybody follow us, E-N-U-F-F, Z-N-U-F-F dot com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, all that great stuff. And uh, I hope to see, I hope to see all your brothers and sisters at the shows because I'll be on a tour announcing it very soon. So check the website and you'll see what we're doing, okay? Check. Thanks for talking to me, too. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, all the sharing of my stuff that you do on Twitter. And I wish you lots of luck with all the touring and the new album. Uh, your lips to God's ears. Thank you, my friend. Rock on, bro. Talk to you. Oh, man. That story about the horse. Every time I hear that, I die laughing. I hope you enjoyed it, too. So, a lot of episodes are coming up. So, you know what you need to do? you got to subscribe. Hit the button. Rock on!